0: Hey, 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 it's the first episode of MMA and Beyond with Ray Longo and Steve Mariboli. Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for checking this out. Thank you so much for visiting us at MMAandBeyond.com. Ray Longo, as you know, is a gym owner-trainer of six UFC fighters and two UFC champions. We can also add mentor to countless fighters at all levels, helping people of all walks of life reach their fullest potential through the teachings of Jute Do concepts. And, of course, he's also a good actor. What's going on, Ray?
1: Hey, what's up, Steve? Really, really jazzed up to be here, buddy. Hey,
0: man, listen, we we got to jump on this. I I was doing podcasts before uh, they were even called podcasts, when they were called Internet Radio. I started doing it, and about as many people listening as you would think uh, (laughs) back then. I remember telling people, I'm on the radio. They're like, great, what station? I said, the Internet, and suddenly you get that glassy kind of look that you get when when people feel bad for you in some way that classy eyed look but listen we have so much to say uh you had a you had a great video podcast that you were kind enough to have me on training day with ray and it seemed that our shows resonated the most um and and people like hearing not only about the mma scene not only of course from your experience and wisdom in in all aspects of the fight game but also talking about mindset and also talking about things that happened outside you you got quite a, a cast of characters at the gym and not only that but in your life i'm sure you've got a couple of stories that, that other people might find interesting, inspiring, and all that. So I want to talk about that. This is our our premiere show, our initial show. We're not going to get specifics into recent fights because this will probably take up a few days. I do want you all listening to know that this should be available to you in the future. This should be available to you on Monday morning. So if you do want to recap fight weekend, if you do want to recap those things, this is going to be a great uh, show to listen to, and of course, reach out. We're about the the most approachable people there are. You can reach Ray Longo uh, through through his Twitter and Instagram feeds at Ray Longo MMA, and of course, you could find me uh, Twitter and Instagram as Steve Maraboli. Ray, I want to talk about the state of MMA. So I listened to a couple of MMA shows. I listened to the people talk at the gym. Uh, I have my own, of course, opinions about the the state of MMA, but. I want to I want to reel it back just a little bit and and hear from you how the MMA scene has changed from when when you had your fighters first on the MMA scene. I don't know if you the, ever did MMA, no, as no. A, as a competitor, but you've had fighters on the scene since the beginning. Yeah, since the beginning,
1: really, so, or since UFC twenty eight, but even before that, we were training and then, and the jiu jitsu training was, you know, you were on the floor, you were standing up. They did, you know, Bruce did a great job of integrating back then, but it didn't have the, like, the Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So there were some holds and some arm bars, but not to the degree and the sophistication of what Brazilian jiu-jitsu brought in. And, uh, you know, since the start, I mean, uh, positive and negative, it's funny, because we were just talking about this the other day. You know, back in the day, especially, so Matt was my first fighter in the UFC, back in the day, man, here here's the here's what I think is the positive for me. When you fought, you fought for the love of fighting cuz I'll tell you one thing that was missing was a paycheck. So <laughs> right. there was no money. Right. So there was no bullshit. You fought, you would Matt would have fought for free. There's no question about it. So he was making a little money. I was training him. Nobody was looking for money. We were doing what we love to do and I think that was it was pure. You know what I mean? So I think the negative now is now with the advent of money, you get guys calling people out, coming outside of who they really are, just to get attention, just to get the big payday. But back in the day, man, people fought. You could take out all the politics, and they just fought for the sake of fighting. Nobody was really making money. then, you know, I guess the Tito Ortiz's, the Chuck Liddell's, Randy Gator, they started, you know, leading the way for some of the guys to make some big paychecks. But back then, man, I'm saying everybody— donated a lot of time and i thought it was it was from the heart man it was it was different man it was really diff- to me that was the biggest change is what comes to my mind right away i'm not really thinking right. about it but
0: so so ha- how do you think that changed so the advent of money so now you can make this a career you can do this if matt wasn't making money fighting then he also was working i think i i either read or saw one of his um uh of course folks were talking about matt sarah a former ufc champion. Yeah, I, I think that he he was a security guard. Yeah, was he? Well, he
1: always says that he yeah. would end it up in the booth. He said, <laughs> right. he said yeah. this saved me from the booth at uh, maybe SD Lauder or one of those places. But for him, a kid who loved to fight, who was in a hundred plus street fights growing up, this was a huge thing, man. You know, you could go in and fight, not get in trouble. You know what I mean? Right. So actually I'd, get applauded for and it, and actually right. get applauded for it, and. uh you know, right place at the right time, everything was starting. And again, it was really for the love of the sport, you know, and uh, like, again, the negative is you can make money now, but you still see guys that, you know, like, again, they're going to come outside themselves and start screaming. And I'm thinking of one of those guys, Cody Covington, he insulted all of Brazil. I mean, is he really doing that? Or is he looking to you right, He'll be the bad guy so he could get a bigger paycheck. Right. And I He's think looking that's, to be, that's what I... I was never into that end of right. it, you know what I mean? Which is
0: the end that it's turning into. Yeah. And that's why I thought that we we might have differing views on this. Yeah. My view from the outside, who I wasn't... I've been nothing but a spectator yeah. the entire time. I have the honor of training it with you and some of the, uh, the greatest fighters in the world, but I've never been in there, nor have I yeah. depended on my food for it. But I listen to the fighters now. I listen right. to... Uh, I've made friends with so many fighters, and I, I try to explain to them that they are, whether they like it or not, they got into it for the for the love of the, the game. You would hope so. But it's a yeah. business now. Yeah, And it's exactly. being modeled as a business. Yeah. Uh, and I wish... I wish I had known it back then, so, so that when you did have the Tito Ortizes and the Chuck Liddells, when they started losing, and still were getting super fights, were the fighters of that time saying the kind of stuff the fighters are saying now, where they're like, "Wait, I'm deserving. Why am I not getting for this fight? Why is this person getting a fight instead because they're a bigger character?" I wonder if that was a well, similar well, thing because here, it's a business. The, yeah, model.
1: here's the difference, though. Here's the difference. Tito was Tito. So he wasn't saying anything that Tito. You <laughs> right, know what I right, mean? Like, yeah. like, I remember when Matt fought GSP the first time and the second time, you know, or second time in, in Montreal, you know, he was making the French jokes, but that's Matt. Right. He's a ball buster. He yeah, wasn't yeah. doing that to get a bigger. His paycheck, He was. And it wasn't out of malice. No, He's, no, it wasn't right. that. That's what I'm saying. And Tito was Tito. Tito's you know, saying that today. Like he, exa- exa- right, he'll exa- say exactly. that today. Was, right. There was no difference. Today, I believe guys are they're forcing it that that's right to me it was the an ally
0: al Quinta today he's, no, he's not alzal yeah. al alzal you yeah, yeah, you, yeah, Al's al, you, to, you have a conversation with him in a corner of the gym yeah. he, he he sounds like he would if you had 10 cameras pointed right, at him he's right. just, he
1: just wants to fight you know the nick is the nate is. they don't they don't want to do press they didn't want to do anything they wanted to fight and they showed up and they fight and they, those guys were like the purest form of fighters to me you know again they you know, they don't really understand doing the press and, and, you know, having those media obligations because when they started fighting, it was no media obligations, you know, not like it was today, you know. I'll give you a funny story, just, you know. Great. When Matt fights uh, GSP for the first time, we're in Houston. I was staying with a friend of mine, uh, Kent Martin. I don't know if you met Kent at the gym. he's You know, he's still training, but he was in Houston, lived there for probably five or six years. So Matt calls I'm at his house, which is about a half hour away from the arena, and Matt calls you wanna go to the movies. They go, Nah, I'm not good. I'm not going to the movies, you know. He goes, Oh, Drago and Luke already went and I'm gonna I'm gonna join them. As he's walking out of his hotel room, the UFC's people from the UFC Grim, they go to you gotta go to the there's a press conference. Now he's in the title fight. He goes, You gotta go to the press conference. He's like, No, I'm going to the movies. You don't get it. You're the you're the main event, you're going to the press Press conference. So he calls me because you got to get over here right away. You know, you got to get over here right away. I have nobody. He had nobody to even go to the press conference. So I get in the cab. As soon as I get in the cab in Houston, guy, I go take me to the Toyota Center. He goes, "Where's that?" I'm like, "How the hell, how the hell do I know where right. the Toyota is?" So you're I keep cab driver. By the time I get there, the press conference is already going on. George had like a, a entourage of people. Sure. That he was the only guy. There was a couple other fires, I think uh, Diego Sanchez got. Josh Koscheck, they all had their teams. <laughs> Matt had nobody's fighting. So this is how it changed. You know right. what I mean? Like, you weren't thinking about doing media. It just wasn't like that. And I, I, I think Nick Diaz is the best example. He wants to fight. Just put me in there. Right. I'll put on a show. For, I'm going to fight. It, was it Nick
0: Diaz, The one, one of them? Was he the guy who skipped out on on one of oh, those I think he like with out GSP?
1: Yeah, I think probably. And you Dana know, said,
0: you know, don't do this or yeah, this is or now, it's starting, do the, this now it's starting to now it's starting to become
1: a business. Right now they have to build it. Now the media is important. Everybody it's realizes huge. that, but these guys want to train and they want to fight. You know what I mean? So that for those guys now it's a balancing act. You know, this ain't even. Uh, and Gano went back to France for something because he was loyal to his team two weeks before the fight. So I don't know. It's, it's, all, it's crazy. It's now, an interesting that, dynamic. Yeah, it's, yeah.
0: it's interesting to watch as a fan. Yeah. I, I'm fortunate to be a fan who gets to go train with these dudes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it, it's an interesting thing to to listen to them. And also my first, my first love and my first career was business. Nice. And so know the business angle of it. And, I, and I've had a couple of conversations with them. Uh, I remember I did another MMA podcast and they were arguing the point of what merit is and who deserves what, who right. deserves the next number and who deserves this. And I, and I tried to tell them from my perspective, the UFC, maybe Bellator now as well as, as they get stronger, they have a merit system also. It's just different than what you think it is. They're adding components of who can put asses in the seats. They're adding the CM Punk factor. The fact that CM Punk made... 10 times what a what, a, what right. a good fighter would normally make on his first time. It's because he had, you've never heard the UFC apologize. They're never going to apologize no. because as much as they paid CM Punk, he made them more money that eggs, night. Eggs,
1: look, it, At, all, it all comes down to the bottom line. And, and
0: that's really what it is. So it does force some fighters to feel like they have to set up this character. Of course, Conor McGregor gave them some sort of template that yeah, some of them yeah. follow that... That makes them look ridiculous. Exactly. It it makes he was
1: able to pull it off and he had the right Right. fights at the right time and he backed it up and he deserves everything he got. And the same thing with with Dana, man, I was there when they were losing money. There was no money in the UFC and he was pushing along and you know, I watched I kinda watched this guy take a you know, and and Lorenzo and Frank Fatita, but they took something. And they built it into a four billion dollar company right in front of everybody's eyes, man. That was pretty cool to witness from a business standpoint. So, you know, what were they down forty million before they made a profit if they didn't find that show on Spike? You know, uh, you know who knows what would have happened. That kind of the changed, Ultimate Fighter, yeah, right? The Ultimate Fighter changed everything, and then they had that fight between Griffin and Bonner, and started getting people involved. I think there was like ten million people watching, and that was huge, man. But they really were out on the limb, and they did a—I fa- mean, if you really think about it, $4 billion eight in, what, 10 years or whatever, 15, 20? It's an uh, incredible business. Turnaround. Crazy, crazy, and, and crazy, the crazy. Model
0: was, their model was—their first model was um, getting UFC synonymous with mixed martial arts. So something they did really, really smart was they branded UFC. So now, to this day even, when someone says, oh, if I were to tell someone I I train at Longo and Weidman's gym, uh, who are they? Uh, Oh, they do uh, mixed martial arts. They train mixed martial arts, jiu-jitsu, et cetera. And they say, oh, you mean UFC? yeah, yeah. It, it's synonymous people will understand ufc no more than mma it. no question and, and that was brilliance and marketing and then they were able to sell off their company they, they they made that four billion because someone you know as with anything with business it's the price that someone's willing to pay for it exactly. and and they 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 put these characters together they happen to do it perfectly. And listen, I mean, you're never going to tell the frititas how to make money. I mean, right, they, they, they did it
1: Very perfectly. Very smart, educated, come from a great background. Like, again, well-educated and uh, probably the unsung heroes in that because Dane is the front man, like in a good band, who, who's front in the band. But he was a great front man. They grew up together. It's a really a great story if you think it's about it. It's a great it. story. They grew up together. and they, I mean, who wouldn't want to do that with a couple of childhood friends, build an empire like that? And doing something, you know, that you love doing. It's like you know, Matt would have been in the booth. Dana would have been, you know, a cardio kickboxing it, instructor or right. manage. You want to manage boxes, whatever it was, but nothing like this. This is and really for someone, incredible for to be a you know to to watch that mature. That's why I say I do. I get everybody's side of yeah. who's not getting paid, who is getting paid, but. The guy did a brilliant job. They, they
0: did a, a brilliant job, and for me, you know, it, as as with any business thing, I take the emotion out of it, and I see I see the fighters, and I say, hey, listen, yes, what you're saying is emotionally correct. You should deserve deserve. Those are they're great emotional feelings. The reality of it is that that's not how it's work. You're seeing that that's what they're doing. Yeah, look. you're seeing that. Uh, a few months ago they were talking about. Oh. Maybe Mayweather wants to do MMA. And and it yeah. was a silly idea, but enough for it to be on the stations. And I remember listening to Misha Tate on one of the shows. Um, I travel a lot, so I listen to these shows. And Misha Tate, who you can't question how great Misha Tate is and what she's done for the sport. And she was having this conversation about uh, about what if Mayweather were to fight and it this silly to even discuss. And I had to think, and I, I even called in, and I had to say, hey, listen, from a, a outside perspective, what you're saying is true. Yes, your fights are important. Yes, these fighters are important. However, the, what puts the asses in the seats right. is going to be the spectacle of it. So whether you like it or not, it's true that if you were to have, uh, I don't know, a, a Misha versus Holly Holm again, right? What a great fight! Right. That fight had heart. It had technique. It had fury. It What an ending. And, and you can that, even yeah. say Holly didn't tap. Holy shit. What an amazing fight. If you were going to do, do uh, her Misha Tate versus Holly Holm 2, everyone would be excited. If on the same night you did CM Punk versus Floyd Mayweather in their first MMA fight, that one does more business. Yeah. And and, and that's an unfortunate truth is the way that I see it. I could be wrong. My
1: guess is that I'm not.
0: And and that's it's it's Matt and it makes fighters mad. But it's just the business model well, of the fight. Yeah, game. You
1: know, look and again, is, is that ever going to be right where a guy thinks he's getting what he should be paid? I remember yeah. Matt would always say, do you think do you think this is fair? So I would say I think it's fair. Do I think it's right? No, I don't think it's right because right. you should be tied into those pay-per-view buys. But it's certainly fair. It was a lot of money, so it's fair, but <laughs> right. it's not right. You know what I mean? Exactly. right would have a – you'd have a, a formula, and you'd get exactly what you brought in. And, and I think that's you – know, and, and I think that was you know, part of Dana's problem. Look, I promote shows on a small level, right, the Ring of Combat. So you know, me and Lou went to a ticket deal. You know, you, if you could sell a lot of tickets, you'll make a lot of money. You get you tied into the tickets because we got sick of people saying I could sell a thousand tickets, you know, really. You could sell, so a guy that says he could sell a thousand tickets, what do you think he would come in with the day of the fight? <laughs> I, I, would, I would hope that he would have sold a thousand like, tickets. Like six. Right. <laughs> like you went from a thousand <laughs> right. to six because these guys in right. their head. I don't... They're right. just either bullshit artists or delusions. Right. So for that guy, hey, you could sell 1,000 tickets, take 50% <laughs> of what you sell. It's like... That's it. Isn't that a great deal? It's like my when
0: experience th- with AT&T. It says we have three bars, and then I try to send something, and suddenly it goes down to no service. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But you, but you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So
1: that's the, the problem. So everybody thinks people want to see him, but there's only so many Conor McGregors and people that really... Know how to Floyd Mayweather. They know how to put asses in those seats, and that's that's I think the balancing act Dana has, and that's what I think the fighters have to understand. Who the hell knows what's exactly right? But you know, a lot right, of guys whatever up, it is, right? Yeah, right. like I think Al's peace, very happy with his new contract, so that's a good. So thing. So
0: there's a guy who he acts the way he acts. He yeah. doesn't. He doesn't. Uh, he he's doesn't put bullshit. on a, ca- a he's character. Not bullshit, no. and, and he 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 just started doing something else. Yeah, yeah,
1: look, they were all, <laughs> Baljo was going to start teaching. You know, I mean, you know, it's crazy, you know. But uh, these guys love to fight. Al-, Al loves to fight. So, but, you know, you do need a an escape plan also. I mean, and I think that's, you know, what I like about these guys is they are thinking. They're not putting all their eggs in one basket. And if they could and if they can make some money, that'll be great. But if not, you know, they could, they have options. And I think those options... Give them more bargaining power. Because even if you look at Al's stuff now, like when they announce a fight for him, he's got a lot of fans, man. He just
0: got called out the other day in a fight. Yeah,
1: now people here, yeah, everybody's calling he's he's Because he's a name. Yeah, and right. he And so he didn't that have to That goes to, to act, show you, if right. somebody's calling you out like that, that means you're on the radar. It,
0: and and that's that's what I mean. So someone like Al, there there are probably many fighters who are saying, "Oh, I should have this shot, or I should get this position on 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 the card. I should right. be in Brooklyn yeah, right. so on the main you're card." Never solve that. But but it's it's yeah. because Al is going to put more asses yeah. in the seats. So he's easier to market. Yeah. There's they have more clips of him. He has his his out of the cage persona right. that he isn't acting, so it comes naturally, right, right. and people get a kick out of it, kind of the same way they get a, a kick out of you and and Matt. Yeah. Because you guys just are that if if you guys ever see Ray and Matt interact in a in a hilarious way they're like that when there's no cameras there oh, and how no, great for no Matt? question about it. He he says he would end up in a booth. Oh, yeah, you know, I like to think though, of no. like the long term like not only did he no, not end up a, in a booth. He but is the
1: American success. How story. many
0: great people came from his school like, oh, from, yeah. from that experience. I mean, you meet yeah. there's some animals that yeah, I meet yeah, man yeah, yeah. that are just Nice he, as can be look, and deadly. He,
1: the other thing is he loves what he does. Loves it. Loves the jujitsu, loves helping people. Now he really transitioned beautifully from fighting to, you know, no regrets. Like you know, some guys just can't give it up. They're still talking about fighting five years after they they haven't fought. And that that's sad, you know. But he he was able to, you know, build those businesses and he's got a great thing going, man. Really is
0: you think yeah. he models the way that he is with your fighters. Uh, well, oh, over the way he is with his fighters, over the way you were with him, I feel like the, when he talks about his experience with you and and how you were a, a mentor to him, Yeah. What I, what I admire about Matt, and I don't really know Matt, yeah, yeah, yeah. but what I admire about Matt is no matter how small of a show, and I, I go to as many shows as possible, yeah, yeah, yeah. I support as many people at the gym yeah, as possible, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I go to these little shows, and you know who's in the corner? Matt. Oh, yeah, 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 Matt's there. Pete's there. Dave Patton. I mean, they're there, and yeah. they love... They're yeah. people, and 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 uh, that's something that I really, really admire, which is why I love I love yeah. training there, just seeing the personal attention. When there are no cameras, there are no lights, you're just in this little place, and there's a competition, and there's a former UFC champion in, 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 in his yeah, person's yeah. corner, man. That I admire
1: that. No, he's, he's larger than life at times, that guy. But you know what's funny? As time goes on, because you know we're, when you're caught up in training and you're having big fights and you're just moving on to the next thing, Now, sometimes when I sit there and listen to him talk, and he's telling a story about what I told, I think he might be the only guy that ever listened to me at this point. (laughs) Like, he's I mean, like, now I'm starting to go, wow, this is unbelievable. But we never really had that opportunity until after he was really done fighting. Like, you know, everything was just moving. But he comes up with some crazy stories that uh, that are true. And, uh, yeah, he... uh, he was a good, uh, he was a save, man. I, that, it, he's, I, I, I'm, like, even more happy that he's a a great family guy and a good business guy. Forget the fighting. The fighting is just right. a transition into the rest of your life. It's going to be a couple of years, you know. But he really, that's what it's about, taking all those attributes you build from fighting and then being su- successful in life. And that's, he's a perfect example of that. And happy. And you want to be happy in life. Dead. You want to do something <laughs> You know, you want to, you want to do like he's always like. I'm living a dream, man. I I got to pinch myself every day. Th- nah, he that's- does exactly what he wants to do, and I think that's that's a model for everybody. You know,
0: one hundred percent, folks. You're listening to the MMA and Beyond podcast with Ray Longo and Steve Maraboli. Don't forget to check out our website, MMAandBeyond.com. If you have any questions, you can just fill out the form on the website, send it right to us. You could also reach myself or Ray through our social media. Ray is Ray Longo MMA on uh, twitter and instagram and i'm steve maraboli on twitter and instagram let's we're going to take a we, we did reach out on our social media already and got uh, some some questions so we're going to hit up some we we just talked a little bit about the state of mma for fighters uh and let's let's hit on some of these questions i'll start with walter walter's in tempe arizona walter i my first radio show was out of tempe arizona and uh, I had many, many uh, successes there, as well as drinks on Mill Avenue. <laughs> I'll never forget the drinks on Mill Avenue. So thanks for writing in. He writes I know Ray Longo is a ju- Jeet Kune, Jeet do Kune guy. Right. How do you think Bruce Lee would do competing in today's UFC MMA
1: scene? Man, I think you look. Bruce he Lee. He was a little guy, right? Yeah, he was a little 130, so he'd yeah. be a, a 135 pounder. Uh, look, he was way ahead of his time. Uh, I, I think without him we're not even seeing MMA today. I mean, right. it was this guy was talking about this in the sixties. Now I was training martial arts in nineteen seventy three and when I tell like it's hard to look back now if you're a young guy and even know what this guy was doing, but in nineteen seventy three this guy was radical, man. This guy was radical just by hitting a heavy bag. You know what I'm right. saying? Like that's crazy. Like who doesn't hit a heavy bag right. today? But back then everybody was doing cotters or Kung Fu forms right. or whatever they would. This guy's banging the heavy bag. He's running. He's running hills. He's jumping rope. Like, all right, everybody does. That, but that wasn't nothing special. But that was the beauty of him. He saw the positive benefits in physical fitness and getting. Well, he shape. had a philosophy behind yeah, it. And in the early
0: seventies, the the Eastern philosophies were just really starting to yeah. to leak over.
1: So I'm saying, like you know, based on all of that and his physicality and how quick he was and he was ahead of the game, I think he would have been one of those guys that really transitioned beautifully, and plus he would have been ahead of everybody. You know, it was almost like at the beginning UFC, like, you know, you had some of those old karate guys going and getting killed. Like, they (laughs) they they just just didn't get it. Like, you know what I mean? So, you know, look, even in his movies, he's doing arm bars and chokes, and it might not have have had the sophistication of uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, but he was training with Jean LaBelle, and he was way ahead of his time so i'm gonna say with weight classes he would have did really well that would have been my guy. yeah definitely really well would you say
0: his, his weakness would have been like a the jiu component
1: uh i would i would think that in, by today's standard you know what right. i mean yeah back then well if you if know.
0: if the information it seemed like he was he was he he wanted nameless formless right but even right. though they formed and named but he he probably would have taken that component he would have the oh he to would have loved it. that
1: yeah. if he had that of oh, right. he would have loved that but he was pretty close jean labelle was a judo guy and you know jiu jitsu came from judo so i mean i think uh he he was pretty close in there it's just i think what what helio gracie did is he he really found a way to make that applicable for the street and they did a that guy is another that guy is bruce lee too i mean <laughs> he took something and he organized that better. That's not easy to do. And he really had a great system. And he was willing to test it against anybody. He was fighting. You know, years ago, we, we, you know, there was no internet. There was no way of knowing about right. it. But when you go back and look at some of those old tapes, and even Hickson fighting, they were in there. They were willing to back their shit up, man. And that's that's pretty impressive, man. If you go back and look at some of that stuff, and think of where the state of martial arts was in, at the time
0: you know that that was my you mentioned Hicks and Gracie that was my first really connection to it i i, I remember i was in the military when the ufc and when Hoist Gracie and them started uh really uh, gaining attention in the early 90s i yeah. was uh i was in the military so i would hear this and that but i never really focused on it later when i saw a documentary on Hicks and Gracie called choke
1: and yeah. that
0: I—that was for me. I was fascinated by his philosophy and fascinated by his discipline and how non-violent his training was so i i was thinking yeah constantly thinking about hitting bags and hitting things and yeah. you were reading back then in magazines because everything was magazines you would read like this is you know you punch sand and yeah, you're yeah, like yeah, Yo, yeah, <laughs> yeah. oh no yeah, all yeah. of that yeah. and then this guy's doing yoga in yeah, the beach and exactly. i'm like wait a second yeah,
1: the guys are punching the makawara board and this guy's you know doing <laughs> uh you know the uh, fire breathing right but you know hickson probably somewhere in the early nineties did his blue belt test at my school. I opened up a school in my first school in Mineola. So to get to watch him roll and to speak with him and to listen to him talk was really phenomenal, man. Like he he is a philosopher and that jujitsu philosophy I also had a teacher, one of his black belts, Pedro Sauer, he used to come in and do seminars at my school, maybe even at the old school, my first school in Minneola and probably in 85 or something like that. And, man, just the way they they explained things was, from a martial arts standpoint, was phenomenal. Pedro was very articulate, and I got to meet Hickson. And I remember Matt just had Hickson on the show, and I go, you know what, man? That, I don't think I get, like, you know, rattled too much, but that guy I think would rattle me, man. He, he, I remember listening to him. I go, I remember telling Matt when I finally met him, I go, man, you should... Get with this guy eventually. Just uh, I just love his philosophy and the way they they broke things down was 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 really great. One of the highlights just to have him at the school for a day and to watch him conduct the blue belt test and the way he spoke was 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 great, man.
0: It, it definitely uh, one of the leaders, not only because of of his tactics in jiu-jitsu, but what you're saying, the philosophy behind it. No, unbelievable. He, just and just and I, I a t- great, and I even his humility. They handed yeah. him a. A like um And forgive me, everyone who's deep in jiu-jitsu for messing this up, I'm sure. They gave him a red belt, yeah which was some sort of, you're like, the master. yeah And he he accepted it, but he was like, yeah, I shouldn't have this belt. Yeah, but he, like, he you was know, really... Like, that's I mean, how...
1: I don't even think he gets enough credit at this point. That, I think he's kind of forgotten about, because I think Hoist was the guy. They made the decision, I think, to put Hoist in there for whatever reason it was. But Hickson probably should have been the guy. In the first UFC I think they put
0: Hoist in to show um and again, I don't remember if I saw or read this, but they put they chose Hoist to show how powerful Jiu Jitsu is. They took the smaller, less the guy who looked less likely to beat you up in the street, yeah, Hickson yeah, yeah. looked like yeah, no, he's Hickson, a problem. Yeah, 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 he yeah, looked like you're walking down the street, that guy's a problem, and he also might
1: steal your chick. Yeah. Where
0: Hoist. Hoist just looked like this dude.
1: Listen, you know? back in that time, in the early 90s, I don't think there could have been a bigger problem than Hickson. That <laughs> right. guy was going to get you. Yeah, he's getting you today, today when everybody knows everything. But back then, like a little jujitsu went a long way back then, man. You know, now everybody, you know, now it, like, you always had the advantage while you were learning because there wasn't many people doing it. Right, now it's And everybody. now it's just like any other sports, attributes, who's bigger, who's stronger, who's faster, who's got more awareness, who's got... You know, better control over speed and spatial awareness—all those things. You know what I mean? So now you have to be training to do it. Do you, you can't get away with like back in the day. You could a couple of moves went a long way. It's it still will today, I believe, on the street. You know what I mean? But yeah. against a, a guy that doesn't know anything, that guy's in, that guy's going to be in trouble if he does the wrong thing.
0: Uh, flipping it back to Matt Sarah for yeah. a second, one of the few conversations I have had with him where he asked me how. My jujitsu stuff goes and, and uh he said, you know, focus on the gi stuff because you if you ever use this it, it, on the street, someone's always wearing a jacket or a yeah, coat yeah, of some sort. It, yeah. yeah, he he and, and uh and something that I've always yeah, remembered yeah, yeah. every time I get strangled in a gi, I think of Matt Sarah. <laughs> but there <laughs> were
1: times even Pedro used to do things even in a T shirt. Like they would roll the t shirt up your back to kind of make like a thicker yeah. and then he'd choke you with it. It's so they, they really, I think what fascinated me, fascinated me when I started doing jiu jitsu a long time ago was that they had everything covered headbutts. And, you know, they, remember, you remember there were those early fights in uh, Japan and uh, some of those other, they were headbutting people. You were getting headbutted in the guard. Like any time we trained, we trained. As if we were going to get headbutted. Now today you don't do that, yeah, right? You know, like you would always have to have your hand in front of your forehead because somebody <laughs> was going to smash their head into your face. So. Yeah, the
0: early UFCs were that they were. Yeah, they and were like... and
1: the, and the sport kind of takes away from a lot of the, you know, uh, you know, a lot of the things that were really, uh, you know, make it very very dangerous. You know, there's no headbutt, there's no eye gouging, but back in the day they addressed everything. You know what I mean? They did. They had everything addressed and I think that was the beauty of it, man. It was just like again, from a martial arts standpoint, I think I was I had some really good teachers along the way. These guys the first thing I said to myself is wow, well, this is this is new to me. This, these guys are really squared away. They had they did a fantastic job in passing that art along.
0: And and again that the the philosophy behind it. The philosophy you know, behind it. Even, but that,
1: they might be leaving that out now a little bit. Back then, it was a little more... Do you think it depends
0: on the school? Probably. Yeah, because that, here, that my be interaction it. with Matt Sarah was uh, whether he was trying to be a philosopher or not. He yeah, was saying, yeah, yeah, hey, yeah. this is why. that He was giving me the tactical reason of yeah, exactly. why to stay focused on this is because if you use this on the street, this is what someone's always wearing. This is what you can always do. For me, that's a philosophy and practicality. Yeah, I wonder if that's not... Uh, Lost in some schools. Do you-, I, you, know,
1: I, you know, if you ever listen to Henzo talk, you know, he, they, they were brought up really, really, really beautifully with this art. And even like Pedro, like, you know, like against a bigger opponent, he would say, you don't, you don't fight a wild bull, you tame him. And if you really think about that, you know, they Hickson, like against Zulu, you know, he had like 40 pounds on him. He wore him out. He was able to stay safe. But like, again, he wasn't going to go head to head with him and just start swinging because he was at a disadvantage. But, you know, I remember him saying it to me, you don't fight a wild bill, you tame. I mean, that's what I'm saying. There yeah. was a million of those analogies that really hit home. And if you you go back and you if you could find some of the articles Hickson wrote or any of those old-time jiu-jitsu guys or some of the Gracie brothers, whatever, it's great stuff, man, like great stuff, great it, stuff. And I think it has gotten lost a little bit, because again, everything's monetized now, and people—I don't know—it's
0: passed along, passed along, passed so. along. And you, it gets watered down. You get, you down. get kind yeah. of the telephone game I a little so, bit, yeah, in in the form of jujitsu. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. You, you hear it from you know, you hear the great stuff from the Henzos. Yeah, when the, you
1: go back to some of those old school guys, man, their basics, man, are just phenomenal. Escaping the mound, getting out of the chokes—they're just that stuff. You know, now the game is just. You blink. If you miss a month, you know, there's a new it's, leg lock coming on. You know what I mean? I, it's just crazy. I the do way know what you mean, it's, going, I, yeah, it's going in I get leaps strangled and strangled on yeah. your mats regularly. It leaps and bounds, From people man. who
0: on paper, I'm thinking, and, and oh, I've got
1: this. And again, that's strangled. the sign of a great art. You know what I mean? That yeah. it, It's not like, you got to remember the old karate mentality was, you know, it was done like this 2,000 years ago, and we're still going to do it today. Nah, not really. You it know, every Every sport progresses, and it's more, you know, physical attributes of the people doing it, and instead of holding those attributes back, you play to your strengths, and that's, you know, that's why you see some guys, I mean, flexibility in jujitsu now is is huge, so you could, you could do the rubber guard, or you could do this, you know what I mean, so it's not, it's just a... It's a beautiful thing to watch. It's a sign of a good art is when it's it's progressing and evolving, and, and this thing is still going. Which... Darwinism
0: in 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 martial arts, which is which is kind of what we were talking about earlier. And folks, you're listening to the MMA and Beyond podcast. The voice you're hearing is Ray Longo and Steve Maraboli. You can check out Ray Longo's social media if you have any questions. He's Ray Longo MMA on Instagram and Twitter, and you could always visit our websites at MMA and Beyond dot com, and so. <laughs> you got I, uh, no. Listen, you can go. I'm gonna keep talking. No, keep going. Listen, I'm gonna keep going. I'm gonna answer. I might get to some questions that that might be for me, but we're gonna keep going. I'm gonna continue on that thought of of evolution as as Ray Longo uh, leaves for a second. Uh, I'm gonna continue on evolution and, and and that that idea of social uh, Darwinism as it as it applies to. Uh, mixed martial arts. And that's kind of what I was saying earlier. And I know that some people are going to disagree, mostly fighters are people who, who, are, who are knee deep in the game itself. And, and, and I can't blame you because you're the ones getting into the cage or to the arena and you're, you're putting your health at risk. But from a business standpoint, and again, my, my first passion, of course, is business, what we're seeing is the evolution of mixed martial arts. We're seeing the evolution of the product. So you're independent people for an organization, they see you as a product. Is that the right way to see you? No. Are you a person? Absolutely. But that's the way they see you. It doesn't that's the that's the that's the thing about truth. It's true whether you like it or not. It's true whether you believe it or not. And what I see, what I see is that those the They are giving preference to the products that are going to give them the most for their dollar. Do they care that after they put you in there, you're not going to be available for another year? No, they don't care. If you get that big fight and you get that big money and you're available the next month, great. We saw that with Michael Bisping. They'll let you do it. They, 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 they love you as much as you give them money. Is that nice? Most of the people didn't want to see Bisping back in there. I don't know him. I didn't want to see him back in there, but they went back in there. He went back in there, and, and we saw what happened. I don't think that there was an emotional connection there. I don't think that there should be. It is a business, and the business's aspect is if you're going to put yourself at risk, it's worth it for us always. It's always going to be worth it for us as a business. If you choose to do that, you're an adult. so You have to recognize that as a fighter, that your marketability as a fighter, hear me out, your marketability as a fighter is your viability as someone to make a lot of money. The viability you have to be a super fighter and to be someone that, the, that your organization looks to, to put asses in the seats is going to be based on, on your ability to stand out. Now, are you going to stand out by, by doing an out-of-the-cage persona? Sure, good luck. There's a lot of people trying to do that. The people who are who are acting most like themselves are, are the ones who are standing out more. Uh, that's a way to do it, to, to make yourself a more exciting fighter, which I know sounds so easy, but I see it. I mean, if, if I didn't see it every day, or several times a, a week anyway, watching these fighters and what they go through in training, I mean, I, it's watching the pros do what they do it's something that i admire so much and i understand their pain when when they're not getting what they feel uh, they deserve uh, but the the truth of the business model is are people going to tune in for this are people going to use a a perfectly serviceable friday or saturday night to uh, to take out their their friends or their family or their spouse to this event, that's what they're asking. They they think you're nice. They think your hair's cool. They think you're cool. That's all great. But if you could put asses in the seats and, and money in their pocket, that's going to be your viability uh, as a fighter. And 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 that's uh, that's where I was going with that. And if you and if you want to add to that, feel free to to connect with us through either our website or either of our social media pages. I want to get before we get to our next quick topic. I want to just get to Vanessa in Boston. Vanessa in Boston, Massachusetts asks. Any advice for women to break through or stand out in our sport? I appreciate any advice from the great Ray Longo.
1: Oh, Vanessa, very good question. Uh, first thing is I'm going to say find a team that fits your mindset, that has the same values, same goals, same way of thinking. I think that will help since you'll all be on the same page. So, Find a reputable team that you have a lot in common with and you think you can you know, get along with. And, uh, you know, do like everybody else, you know, take a couple of amateur fights, you know, get the right amount of training before you do that, you know, and if you have a good coach, he'll let you know when the time is right for you to do to take your first fight. And if you feel like you really like it, then you're going to move on. But uh, first thing I think is get a compatible team, some uh, place where you like to train, like, you know, you, you're not going to be able to move to Hawaii or do this, you, you might be limited. So uh, Whatever you can make work in that, you know, in your, in your budget and everything else, get get a team that you like that has some sort of reputation, that has a success record, and I think you're on, your right, uh, you're on the right road to, uh, you know, accomplishing what you want to accomplish. Yeah. I hope that helps you. Uh,
0: yeah, and good luck with that, Vanessa. And, and again, standing out, what, what Ray said earlier, just really uh, applying yourself to your craft, staying focused and the better team you have the more you'll be able to stay focused on your craft and 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 stand out as far as that goes and then there's those other it factors that who knows who knows what how they go right yeah. when when someone when someone wants to, you you take a, a someone like Vanessa, and it could be a a, a man or a woman who right. who want to find that team, right. and they feel like a team resonates with them to, for what they see as the team. How does that work? Do you call up a team and say, "Hey, I'd like to be a part of it"? Is there a how does that work? I,
1: I think a lot of people do. Look, our thing always was homegrown talent. So you, uh,
0: your law yeah. MMA, yeah, law, law, uh, uh, law MMA, and team. 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 Right, fight right. team.
1: We took kids from the neighborhood. And that was our thing, that we didn't really solicit anybody. And probably there were times we actually turned people away. But we liked keeping it like a Long Island thing. And that was just, you know, we were never looking to be the biggest team. We just wanted to be, you know, make our guys the best. And, like, you know, me and Matt always say, we love our guys. You know what I mean? So we don't have 40 guys. How could you love 40 right. guys? You know what I mean? So the you guys have we have, like, we sure. win together, we lose together. You know what I mean? And. You know, we share the highs together, we share the lows together, but it's on a, a smaller scale. And I think that's the way I always liked it, and that's the way we'll probably continue to go. But, you know, we're at each other's birthday parties and yeah, christenings. Well, and, you know, I mean, and it, I think, you know, it's like strength in numbers. You, sure. you, you feel like you have the right people behind you. And, again, you know, luckily for me, I've been able to build a, a, a great track record and – uh you know, it's worked out, but we, Do people we keep people come into
0: your gym and you, you recognize their talent right away, like uh, someone who's just kind of getting started? Well, I'll you, tell
1: you, Chris Weidman, that was one guy story. I go like, wow, I, I've never seen anything like that before. Like, I knew from day one this guy was going to be a champion, just the way he spoke, the way his physicality, the way he, he came in as a white belt and was choking out black belts from day one, which was unheard of. I would tell that to somebody. And go, oh, yeah, right. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, he's choking out a black belt. Yeah, like, because you were, it was built into your mentality <laughs> right, that that right. doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. Well, right. it, it does happen, you know, because I seen it, and the guy right. was, he was that good, you know. So every so often, you're going to get a guy like that. You're going to, you know, they say if you could spot it, you got it, whatever that, that right, thing sure. is. But that that's kind of the way it is. And on the... Other side of that, you know, you get guys that come in, I want to be a UFC champion. They've never wrestled. They've never boxed. They've never kickboxed. They haven't done jiu-jitsu. But, you know, you get that guy, the street fighter. sure, The street fighter. You know, everybody's got to deal (laughs) with that guy. And and, and you know it's a disaster from day one, and you're trying to run a business, so, you know, you want to be encouraging. But, you know, and I think these are the the questions I start asking you, like, when do you actually tell somebody that that this isn't for you? Yeah, right. I mean, because you want to – Sure. I want to be that guy that you know brings out the best in you, but these some guys. Just, but
0: you also don't want to send someone nah, into somewhere would, you well, know they're going to get mauled, but, right? You know,
1: but every so often, <laughs> every so often you have to do that just to uh, prove a point. And to, I think sometimes that is a great lesson for people, right? You know, and uh,
0: I realize there's a caliber I train with. And shout out to my dear friend Jenny Nadelle. uh I, I trained with her uh, for a long time. Not only did she help me lose uh, 40 pounds and keep them off. But at the same time, her, the type of person she is, she, she'll be my friend forever. First time I threw a leg kick at her and she checked it. Now I have folks, I have, uh, 40 or 50 pounds on Jenny. I threw a leg kick at her and she checked it and I turned into a philosopher so quick. I said, you know, there's, this is why I do what I do and exactly. she does what she does there are levels to this shit and i just feel like i kicked a piece of steel when i i wasn't thinking that at all and i was like you know i think at a at a at a younger stronger age i would have been like oh 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 this feels good but the only thing i thought of was ouch yeah. that shit hurts let's let's well, just there, keep there, it there, in there, this there, gym there. and never anywhere there's
1: else there's an and, old jeet Kune Do saying i believe it says you have to be brought to the threshold of pain to appreciate yes. which i think is really really relative especially in your case it and, made me appreciate and,
0: you know. her do you guys have any of those stories so like you have those stories of of and i'm throwing this out there i'm yeah. sure i'm wrong but you know the story of like the the music guy who turned down the beatles you know yeah, do yeah, you yeah. have any of those stories where someone came to you guys and said hey maybe i, I want to train with you guys you guys said no thanks and they turned out to be you know, some sort of champion or.
1: Well, tell you, I'm going to tell you I've got something close to that. All right. There's a, We're there's listening. A, there's a manager, and I want to say his name is Rob Rivetta. He's a really nice guy. One of the first managers in MMA, and he's a nice guy. He's not a normal manager. He's too nice. To right. Me, you know, I'm sure he's still got a couple of guys, but I think that's his name too. But he's from Vegas. But when Chris first came on, Drago, he was managing Drago, and Drago was calling and saying, I got this guy. <laughs> Weidman, you know, you nah, I'm I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. (laughs) And then I ran into him in Vegas. He goes, can you believe (laughs) I turned that guy down for, like, Drago was, you know, calling me, calling me, calling me. He goes, that must be, that might be my biggest blunder ever. But I think that goes, it (laughs) wasn't me, but it was him. You know, he could have had Chris Weidman. He could have, you know, possibly been the manager. Never did it. And I'll tell you what, man, I almost... They tried to get me to for him to come down to the gym for like six months, and I blew because the guy that was asking me if he could come down, I thought it was a you know wasn't that reputable. So I was like, no, I'm good, I'm good. And then Chris just walked into the gym one day. Thank God, and I'm lucky because <laughs> he's a great guy. And obviously, you know, yeah, you know, he made history and let me be a part of it. But uh, yeah, I almost blew that to be honest with you. And then when the first day I met him when he came down, I go, man, I love this guy. I man, he's just a nice kid, and you know. And An he's animal. T- he's a, he was a freaking animal. He was really. He was something else at the beginning, man. He really. He left a lot of guys just laying in that ring. I mean, he, it was, he was tough. You
0: see it in his eyes. Every yeah. time you talk to him, yeah. <laughs> you see it in his eyes. You're like, no, this is. Yeah, again, a different species yeah, 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 yeah. altogether.
1: At the time, he was, wow. He, so was, he was pissing vinegar. So you
0: have, uh, of your your two UFC champions, You have
1: were they both. Amongst the biggest title upsets? I think that both of them are the two biggest upsets. Wow. Which Look, which, you got to remember, here's, the, here's why it'll never be repeated. I'll tell you why, because if you think about it. Because I don't think there'll ever be another GSP or an Anderson Silva. You had two dominant guys. Two right. dominant guys. That's what really makes it crazy. And this is that
0: evolution thing again. Yeah, if, yeah. Because what, of... Yeah, everyone's getting so good.
1: Yeah, right. And this is right, exactly. Yeah. And who's going to be able? Who's to, that dominant? Yeah, who's going to be able to do that again? And then you have to get a guy that you trained from square one to beat them. Right. Good luck. So you know, I had two guys that threw their first punch with me, beat two of the greatest guys ever. I mean, you're not. You, I don't. I'm. T- if you really break it down, I don't think it could be repeated. It's going to be tough. It's really going to be tough. You know. Uh, again, because you might have a guy, but he had 10 fights with somebody else. I'm saying right. this guy started from the ground up, and that, that's what re- I'm really proud of more than anything is that. And, we you know, we did it as like a, a group of friends. It's really all it was. It was just guys believing in each other, you know what I mean? Look, Matt got knocked out his first UFC fight. He I was the stand-up coach. He, I could have been thrown under the bus. And right. He, he refused to do that, and for that I'm always going to be loyal to him because, I mean, he got – we both got tortured after that fight, you know. And I was like, "Wow, this is people are just harsh, you know." But he'll he'll say, "Look, Ray never told me to keep my hands up my ass when I'm throwing punches, you know." So why is it his fault, you know? So, uh, yeah, I mean, just you know, it's part of. the – You have to believe in your coaches, and the coaches have to believe in their fighters, and they have to feel it. It can't be a bullshitty thing.
0: Well, it's it's mindset. You know, it's 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 what it's what something else I want to discuss quickly. Yeah. Uh, is is talking about uh, mindset and and how it makes a difference and 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 how people can adjust that thing. It, it, are you saying that there's got to be times that you've thought what made this person lose in the cage was what was happening in their mind, not their technique? I'm not I'm,
1: I'm, I'm going to tell you, I believe ninety five percent of the time, I be, I really believe that something you're never going to be able to prove, but I, it's almost like if you're arguing with your wife, you're just not going to be there. It's just no <laughs> yeah, way. Yeah. I mean, I remember like you know, even training match. Sometimes I'd, I'd get into a fight with my wife. He's like get into a fight with my wife, and he's like, "Dude, just please, give me just three more days. Can just you be concentrate? Here. Right. Yeah, can you right. do it? Because I'd be like, drip. I got, and then you got to go home and you got to correct it. You know what I mean? Like before Weidman's debut in the UFC he was fighting with his wife, and he came in. We had twelve days to train for Sakara. 12 or 12 or 14 days he had a broken rib it was just healing up and he came in and I'm like what are you do you I go go home but well, it's not even it's useless to train I've been here before and he went home he made things right next day we come in and we we killed it you know what i mean hmm. we had 2 weeks to train and he went in at a great UFC debut but i remember sending him home just go home and rectify it now I don't care if you even mean it just rectify because <laughs> right. you can't be walking around like that a so really stress for me it was really stressful even coaching and I love I, if he get mad he he wasn't married he's, He'd be looking come on please, buddy buddy can you just <laughs> please stay with me just can you because he'd see me like thinking and you know you're not yourself so everything's got to be right and wow uh, so yeah mindset that stuff is and I know. agree
0: you know this is this is my 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 world here mindset and I and I think that it's funny you can't prove it with anything in any yeah. of the behavioral or cognitive sciences you, you can't prove that's right. why that's why people out in the physical scientists consider people like me social scientists uh it's they consider it a pseudoscience the right, psychologist right. the behavioral scientists because you can't really repeat it and you can't
1: Right, adrenaline
0: exactly. affects me differently than it affects you. It's, yeah. it's you can't really repeat I mean, it. and that's also with the beauty the other of it. Physical That's, that's actually also
1: the beauty of it, too. But you
0: can find that one hundred percent of champions, one hundred percent of people who get to that top, that peak, they say mindset's can I everything. I tell you the same thing. And the people who yeah. almost get there or kind of get there, they'd be like, "Oh, that mind over matters bullshit. That mind." The people who don't always get there will have a question about whether mindset matters or not. one hundred percent of the people and at you the peak will tell you, you don't
1: want to be that guy that says bullshit because nope. there's such there's a beautiful thing in believing about that. It really is. It's a it's it's energizing to believe that. If you want to be that negative guy all the time, who wants to be that guy? You know what I mean? But no, mindset is huge. And again,
0: uh, have you learned tricks along the way to help uh, tweak people's mindsets? That, that I, I mean, the biggest thing team?
1: I do is I, I like I like to say I like to go so hard on the physical that you get to the spiritual door. Like you got to really train these guys when like things are going good. You got to push them to the brink of physical, you know, disaster. Like you know, to and then it just gives them that that confidence that. You know transfers over into their mind. That's the first thing I like to do. You try to break guys almost like a seal mentality. Sure. You don't sure. want guys that can't make it through buds or whatever. Right. You know. Sure. Those guys are hard to break, man. You know what I'm saying? So that's how I like, mindset wise, if you use that as the template, you really got to make that training hard. To, like I always believe that the, the training should be harder than the fight. And that, right. Now, whether What comes first, the chicken or the egg, whatever. But that's going to build a a good mindset. I know, like, with with Matt and some other guys, like, if they weren't, like, I could never change some of the training. Like, they wanted to be physically pushed. And if they weren't, then they don't feel like they did the right thing, and that's going to affect their mindset. So the first thing is getting that physical part right. And then you can move on to the spiritual end or the mindset end, or, oh, which is know.
0: which is great. And I, and again I, I've had the, for the me, anyway, honor of watching yeah. how your how the team does it. Yeah. I, I watched um, one of the ones that I got to to watch pretty intimately was was uh, when Chris Weidman was training for, um, uh, oh I can't I think this guy's name the guy who fought at the Coliseum. Oh, Gastelum. Uh, yeah. I I watched him training with that and he was he was getting rounds in with with uh John Volante. Right, right. And just both at the brink of just Yeah, yeah. I mean and, that's and the way it's to be going and the, seeing it and it's it it was it was inspirational to watch. I can not imagine what yeah. it's what it's like for them. And then how about that pop at the Coliseum yeah, when Chris no, Chris got on. that submission and Gaslin was a great fighter yeah, and he it's had a, his back against he, the wall. He, yeah, it was it was uh it was fantastic and, and uh mindset. Mindset matters and, and show uh, folks on this show. We're going we're gonna to talk more about that as well uh, as you continue on. You're listening to MMA and Beyond with Ray Longo and Steve Maraboli. Don't forget, if you have questions, we'll get to a couple more questions before we close the show. If you have questions, you could always check out MMAandBeyond.com. We'll have a form there for you to to send us a quick uh, a question. Of course, you can reach Ray at RayLongo MMA. That's on Twitter and Instagram. And, of course, I'm Steve Maraboli on Twitter and Instagram as well. I'm going, to, I'm going to get to a, a couple more. Guillermo in San Jose, thanks for sending in a question. He writes, any advice on how to strengthen my willpower when going through my healthier New Year regimen?
1: Oh, Guillermo. 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 G- Guillermo. Guillermo. Yeah, you're better than that. Yeah, than Guillermo. Man. There's no L. The There's double no L. L is double a L Y. Double L is not there. Yeah, double L is a Y. Mr. G from San Jose, <laughs> Mr. California. So, San Jose. So, so okay. Mr. G. He... Here's, the, here's my biggest thing for how to strengthen your willpower. Keep your uh, blood sugar level level throughout the day because I'll tell you what, when that starts to plummet, you're going to make bad decisions. And that's the biggest thing is to really get, get eight hours of sleep, never be dehydrated, keep ahead of your water levels, and keep that blood sugar level. You know, good so you can make the right decisions, because once you start, you know, drifting off and you're feeling a little queasy, you're going to reach for the wrong stuff and that's not going to be healthy. And I guarantee if you listen to that, you're going to be successful in what you do.
0: And sounds good, man. And not only that, Guillermo, but also understand that, you know, what what people consider lack of willpower is actually a really healthy brain. Your your brain is patternist, so it seeks those patterns that you're used to. It doesn't want to build new neuro passages. The reason people fail their New Year's resolutions is isn't because they didn't set goals; is they're not setting behaviors and habits. And so, when you do set those behaviors and habits, your brain, even though you want to change Guillermo, your brain, which is modeled for efficiency. That's the good news. It's model for efficiency. The bad news is it doesn't define success the way you do. It'll let you eat yourself, drink yourself, smoke yourself to death. No problem. It'll ask you to do it so it doesn't have to work. Yeah.
1: And we, we should do a thing on habits one day too because, I, again, like for this, I think for his question too with the willpower, like, again, you have to do those basic things. And, again, build a little momentum, man. It goes a long way. And recognize that just those thoughts are there. Like, like, look, I just lost 45 pounds Start tomorrow. Just yeah. do it, and then if you you know if you miss or you screw up a day, get back on. Get it the back next on it, day. and
0: recognize I mean, that it's not a lack of willpower. Guillermo, you yeah. can lose. Like I mentioned before, I lost forty pounds training with the great Jenny Nadel, brother. That doesn't make cheeseburgers less delicious or pizza, or it doesn't make my brain not say, Psst, "Hey, man, one more beer." It doesn't make any of that go away. But you just have to recognize that when you do set those behavioral patterns, like what Ray was saying. Give yourself the opportunity to not have to uh, uh, battle with your own thoughts, but also recognize that sometimes, for all of its accolades, follow your heart is really bad advice. And sometimes you just got to stick with not not taking the, the old path that got you to where you wanted to change, but instead recognizing that there are new changes you can make and that your brain, especially in the yeah. beginning, will still offer and, and, you all that nasty stuff. And make it easy stuff. to win. You yeah. know what
1: I mean? Don't set crazy goals like, you know... When you I didn't was work loser, out for wait, a year. I'd be right. happy if I lost a half a pound. Yeah. I'd be ecstatic, you know? So make it easy to win. Gain some momentum. Again, do not discount sleep. I think everybody's preaching that now. That's Although awesome. everybody's been saying it for years, yeah. now it's becoming... Now it's... Now it's like it's irrefutable. mandatory. Yeah, now it's, it's irrefutable. It's even, we get that like this... You, right. You're stupid if you're not sleeping right. You're going to be better because if... You get up and you're you're miserable, that's going to affect your willpower. Eventually, you're going to break down. But if you get up and you feel great and you start the day off right, I say you're uh, chances of success increase exponentially. Boom, Guillermo! Just
0: like that. We'll finish. We'll finish with the, on a lighter note. Jessica in Illinois in Chicago writes. All right, Stephen Ray, fire off your
1: favorite martial arts movies. Go ahead. Um, any first off, any Bruce Lee movie? Because I was a kid when they came out, I love those. But I tell you, one movie I really liked as a kid was Billy Jack. I thought that movie was phenomenal. I loved. The way they portrayed that, he was a peace-loving guy, but when time came to fight and he believed, you know, stood up for what he was doing, I, the guy was awesome. I think the philosophy behind that and standing up to the bullies and all of that stuff, you have everything in that movie. You have bad guys and you know spiritual stuff. I think Billy Jack was a great movie. I could watch that over and over again. And, of course, any Bruce Lee movie.
0: And so I, I'm, I'm a, a little younger than Ray. So Bruce Lee was something I did watch, uh, older siblings and cousins, and we watched it. And I thought it was great. Of course, the fight with Chuck Norris was, oh, was yeah. famous. But for me, uh, Jessica, uh, in, the, in the early 90s, late 80s, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Uh. Yeah, yeah, hate him. Don't hate him. Don't hate him. Uh. Because I'm telling you, when I saw Bloodsport, yeah, yeah, yeah. that was it. Yeah. That was like Rocky had already started that fire, yeah. but Bloodsport, man, no, well, it, was good. It, good. it the premise was great, it was great. was great, it was great. So that that was that was uh, my thing, and I won't only because I'm sitting next to Jessica, uh, one of the greatest martial art minds uh, alive. I'm not going to mention the which, uh, was, no, also, was, which was also, which was also pretty that was cool. A, f- a fun movie, but uh, which is also pretty cool. But. Everybody, watch Billy Jack. It was, it <laughs> watch, was pretty. Watch it was Billy actually Jack. Cool, but
1: uh, I mean, look. When I was thirteen, fourteen, going to the movies to see Bruce Lee for the first time, and like I'm going to say, it had to be seventy two, seventy three, seventy one. So, you walked out of that place feeling like you could take on the world. You ever, I mean, I'm a young kid and. There was something, maybe it was just the timing of everything or whatever, I, but those movies.
0: I get it. Were, I felt know, the same. And then same. sometimes you
1: go back and you look at them now and you go, eh, you know, but as a kid, man, there was nothing better than that. I
0: felt the same doing yeah. coming out of the movies from Lionheart. From <laughs> <laughs> They fought in a pool, Ray. Right? They fought in a pool. I love it. <laughs> All right, folks, that's the end of the first MMA and Beyond podcast. You've been listening to Ray Longo and Steve Mariboli. Don't forget to check out MMAandBeyond.com, or you could just reach out to us through our social media, Ray Longo. You'll find him on Instagram and Twitter at RayLongoMMA, and you could find me on Instagram and Twitter as Steve SteveMaraboli, one word. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon.
1: Hasta la vista.